So good evening, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> I'm a little bit hungry. <laughs> if I call Depot Pizza and have them order, deliver a pizza to the high school, do you think they'd think it was a prank phone call? Or do you think they would <laughs> actually do it? Well, that would be a fundamental problem with my plan, <laughs> wouldn't it now? So then, yes, they would think it was a <laughs> um, Yeah, so happy summer. Right? So, yeah, I just got out of my car when I arrived here, and I thought, oh, not only does it not feel like winter, it doesn't even feel like spring. It's incredibly hot night, which is really beautiful and really scary at the same time. So it's, I guess, pleasurable. But, um, but there's something kind of that's screaming in my ear about it, you know, not being okay. So I guess we'll see what that is. Is it supposed to be colder the other coming days at all? Yeah. On the weekend, snow or just just cold, just cold. cold. Okay. Um, so tonight is our fifth class out of six. So next week will be the last class. Um, I actually also just did my fifth class out of six last night in Acton with the group that I'm with there. And um, we actually ended up topping off the night with a half-hour sit that just kind of happened. So I just started the normal meditation, and I just kind of didn't ever feel like stopping it. And I thought that for the fifth class, that was a good way to kind of push people a little bit past what they're used to sitting. And afterwards, someone came up to me, and he was like, how long was that? I think that's the longest I've ever sat. He was really excited. Um, so I won't necessarily do that tonight, but I may. Um, so on the car ride over here, I was thinking of what to talk about. And the first thing that came into my mind was, um, was this word, the dream. I guess that would be two words, so the word dream. Um, so a friend of mine, Wally, so keep it Wally. Uh, I've been hanging out with this boy, Wally, and very often he'll just look at me and say, the dream is crazy today. Wow, the dream, the dream. The dream is so unreal. And finally, I kind of asked him, what are you talking about <laughs> when you talk about the dream to me like this? And I actually forget his answer. But I know what he said, which is strange. And it was something along the lines of, this is the dream, this thing that we're in. Um, and it's a dream because we're kind of creating it and walking in it at the same time. And 
it's often really weird and kind of unexpected and crazy. Um, I was actually just reading a New York Times article and they said, you know what? We think maybe we are living in a matrix, in a computer simulation, but it's going wrong. Because they said, you know, like there was the election and everyone thought like Hillary was going to win and then Trump won. And then there was a Super Bowl and everyone thought the, what was it? the Falcons were going to win and the Patriots won. And then at the Grammys, Emmys, Oscars, one of them. Everybody thought La La Land was going to win, but then Moonlight won. And they even called La La Land out, and they came on stage and said thank you and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, wait, no, sorry. We somehow missed that up. And they said it's this weird thing that keeps happening where you're being presented with one thing, and you think that that's this kind of safe, sure thing, and then it kind of flips, and it's actually not that thing. And even the winter now that's like a summer, it, there's kind of this energy again and again and again. And um, it actually reminds me a lot of cultures, <coughs> they talk about the trickster spirits. So I think some cultures it's the fox. And that there are these tricksters that are out, that are, that's kind of just what they do is they just kind of confuse and misuse and screw things up on purpose. And they just think that's really funny for some reason. But sometimes the trickster spirits um, also have a lot of wisdom and sometimes there's a, a deeper meaning behind that. I think in a lot of the fairy tales that we read, you'll see that there's always these weird characters that come in and kind of flip everything up on its head, but then somehow that brings this resolution at the end that brings an understanding. Um, a lot of Zen masters actually try to embody this, to teach their students things. Is they'll, they'll act or behave or say things that are completely backwards and ridiculous that doesn't really seem to make much sense on the surface, but actually they will set something in motion that will lead towards an understanding or towards clarity. Um, and so the New York Times was kind of saying that, you know, they're looking around at what's happening in the world and they're like, I, I think we're actually living in a computer simulation, but it's broken. There's like a glitch because we keep having this weird thing happen that things are supposed to be one way, but they're not. They're supposed to be like this, but they flip. And I just thought that was really interesting that they noticed this kind of pattern going on again and again. Um, so I woke up today and I was outside and it was really nice. And then I went to the dentist. <laughs> Who's ever been to the dentist? <laughs> yeah, I walked in the room and I said, so coming into the torture chamber, huh? And the dentist said, oh, you had a bad experience? And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, and you know, one of my fillings came out, so they had to put it in. But then he said, oh, but actually, there's two more that kind of are cracked. So we could you know, do it all at once. You could come back. And I said, just do it all at once. It's going to be a little bit of drilling. Just do it. You know, and just this weird feeling of like sitting there staring at these lights with these two masked people with their fingers in my mouth, and these weird things sticking in. <laughs> and Sorry to like bring back. That was good. I really I had a lot of time to kind of focus on. <laughs> and it was just this moment I was lying there and I was just like, the dream is so weird. Because really the next thing I knew, I was kind of back home already and I was taking a nap and then I was giving, I gave a healing today. And then I was driving here in my car from my home and it was the same feeling that 
that there's just kind of this these sliding worlds coming in. And I'm in this like weird world with people with their fingers in my mouths and bright lights and masks. And then suddenly I'm in this world called like my home. And then suddenly I'm in the car world. And then and this kind of weird changing. And you never really know what's coming. And I think also the more open you are to that, the more weird stuff starts happening. So I ended up going this weekend to uh, to a friend. She just bought a property, a big property in Peter's, Peter's in Mass. Petersham? 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 Petersham, Mass. And um, really big, beautiful property, and there's already a kind of like a retreat center there and some yurts, and they kind of took it over. So it was this really beautiful thing that, um, you know, she invited her family and friends to come, and I brought a couple people, and actually I don't even know if any of her friends came, so it was like her family and then me and a couple of my friends. It was like this kind of interesting blend of people. And, um, and then there was the previous owners who were kind of these hippie-ish, you know, and they've had it for like many, many years, a couple decades, and it was a kind of handing over. So they did this big ceremony and they kind of handed it over and then they built this kind of big bird that we made intentions and tied things to this bird and then we did the ceremony where we flew the bird over to like a fire pit to like release it. And we're like flying this big bird that we all tied stuff to the fire pit and I'm banging on a drum and behind me one of my friends is pulling a wheelbarrow with the grandma of the family because she couldn't really walk that well and we're just like in this kind of weird procession and it was just the dream is wild right now it's just one of those moments like what is going on (laughs) and then uh, and then I brought some crystals to do gridding with to grid the property I have these really special crystals that actually me and Melissa gridded Andover with a little while back the town is protected don't you guys worry um and then I also said to her, you know, I have these really special rocks. Let's grid your property. And it was, the, her father was there. And her father, you know, we talked a lot. And he was Craig, and he was really into it. And, um, but the property was pretty big. So we kind of, you know, walked from the house. And we kind of had this, you know, little band of people going. And for whatever reason, a couple people had drums. And one of the cousins, he had this big bugle, but he couldn't play it. So he would just hold it to his mouth and go, like this. You know, and we went and we kind of dug the first hole and we, you know, made this intention. We put the rock in and covered it. <laughs> and then I kind of looked around and, you know, there was a father with like the hole puncher and one of the cousins with the map and Felicia, this girl, my friend, with, with the stones. And I had a backpack with like some bigger stones that we would then put to kind of mark where the ones were. And there was two guys on drums and this guy on bugle. And then we're like, okay, let's go to the next place. And, you know, I said, well, where's the next place? And he just kind of said, you know, it's through the woods that way. So we start walking through the woods. And then there's guys playing drums. And then the kid in the back is like, charge! You know, and we felt like we were kind of in this weird mix between Lord of the Rings and Monty Python, you know? Because we're in this <laughs> kind of weird band of people, like, going through the woods. Like, you know, my feet are soaking wet. We're, you know, planting crystals. And everyone's just, like, laughing. And it was just ridiculous. It was completely ridiculous. And again, I just looked around, and I was like, the dream is ridiculous right now. This is ridiculous. It was literally just ridiculous. And the more that I kind of go through my life, and I don't know if my life is different than other people's lives. I'm sure I live a little bit of a non-traditional life in some ways. The situations I put myself into, maybe. I don't really like routine. I'm more interested in seeing what's happening, what, what new flows are happening. But I could probably find a couple times every day that I would just look around and say, what the hell is going on? Like, where am I? What is this? And that's for better or for worse. I also, my, my father has, um, he's sick, he has ALS. And 
I was home with him recently and um, and sitting with him and my mother and, and just talking to him and looking at him and seeing my father kind of getting, you know, very quickly older and weaker. And it's just this really strange feeling because this, you know, I feel like in, in a way I know who my father is and I have this picture or a feeling of who my father is. And then there's this person who I know is my father, but he's not really the way that I kind of remember him being, and he's kind of slowly moving away from that. And it was another one of those moments where I kind of just said, like, what happened? Like, where did that person go, or what, what are they becoming, or why aren't I back in my old house in Andover? Why are we in Tewksbury now, or what? That suddenly you kind of wake up into life, and everything's kind of changed. And a lot of the characters are the same, but they're kind of older, too, and... And again and again, this feeling of kind of waking up into life in these different strange moments, both positive and negative, if you want to even use those terms, I don't even know, but just different and weird. When I kind of got over my discomfort at the dentist, it wasn't like a negative experience, it was just weird. Just that feeling of like latex in my mouth and like the, I said to them, you know, like I used to work in a wood shop in college and when you kind of sand, like, you know, you do wood and stuff on the drill and the sander, all the, the dust goes up in the wood chips and they were drilling my tooth and I was like, like, that's the taste of tooth dust, right? So it's not like sawdust, it's tooth dust. It was like my mouth was full of, like, tooth dust. It was like that, tasted like that. It's horrible. It's, like, very bitter. Um, and now I'm here at my old high school in my old detention room talking to a bunch of people about my day. And the next thing I know, I'm actually going to Wally's house later. He's a hot tub. We're going to be a hot tubbing with a couple people and, like, talking about a hiking trip we want to do this weekend. And then right after that, I'm going to Panama for a week. And then after that, I'm going to India for 10 days. And it just kind of keeps going. And I was kind of reflecting because in the car, I was also listening to a talk from my teacher, one of my teachers, Achim Brahm. Um, and he was saying that when he was younger, so I mean, he's you know in his 60s, I think now. So when he was younger. He was a teacher in England. I think only very briefly, because he ordained quite young as well. But he said in the classroom, he had to give a test. and didn't know how to give a test. And one of the other teachers said, well, you have to make it not too hard, but not too easy. They said, try to make the test in a way that the average score is 70% of the class. And that way, you know, the kids underneath know they have something to work to. And the kids above know they really got it. And so they said, aim that the average score in the class is 70%. And he said that he was thinking about that. And he has also this story where he was building his monastery himself by hand, because at the beginning they were really poor. So he had slept on a door on the ground. So he just had a door lying on the ground. He said it got cold at night because the air would blow up through the knob hole. And like, you know, so he had, it was like really cold at him in Australia. Really funny guy. Um, so they were building the monastery by hand. And he was building like one of the first walls and he kind of had to learn masonry and learn, he had to learn plumbing and he had to learn all the stuff himself to kind of start building this. So he was talking about building this brick wall and he'd, you know, lay the brick and he'd kind of tap it this way and this end would bump out and he'd tap it that way and that end would bump out. And so he kind of tried to make it as kind of steady and as, as even and as neat as possible because, um, you know, he had a lot of time, he had nothing else to do. He was a monk, he's very mindful. Uh, I'm sure he's a little bit of a perfectionist too. So he was, in, I believe he was in Cambridge University as a, theoretical physicist before he became a monk, so he had kind of like a mind for that stuff. So he was really trying to make this wall perfect, and he finally finished this wall, and he was so happy. And he looked at the wall, and then two of the bricks were actually crooked. 
And he said that he just looked at the wall and he didn't know what to do. And he actually thought about blowing it up. He thought, just get some dynamite, blow it up, start again. Like, there's two bad bricks in it. And he said, really, every time he walked past that wall, he just saw those two bad bricks. And he said sometimes people would come to see the monastery and he would actually lead them around the wall so they didn't see the two bad bricks in the wall. <laughs> and eventually one day he was talking to somebody and they talked about the wall and he said, yeah, but there's the two bad bricks. And they said, you idiot. What about the other 99 good bricks in that wall? You know, why are you looking at the two bad ones? And he kind of stepped back and he said it was the first time that he actually saw this beautiful job, this beautiful wall that he had made and not even those two bad bricks. And he said now he has this big full thriving monastery, he doesn't actually even remember which of the walls it is anymore because he really was able to let that go. And he kind of said, you know, how often are we just focused on the two bad bricks in life, in ourselves, and whatever, in our minds, you know. And he said, in life, we should really just aim for that 70%. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the abbot. It's, it's a terrible job. I wish it on nobody, but here I am. I have to be the abbot of this monastery. And he's like, and I'm 70% good, and I'm 30% crap. You know, and this is my, you know, assistant over here, Danya, and he said she's 70% good and 30% hopeless. You know, and he's like, and if you really just say, and this guy, this monk here, he's been taking care of me all week, I'll give you a final score of, mm, let's say, 70% for what you've done. You did good, but you could still learn a little bit more. And he said, so if you're kind of aiming for the 70%, you'll never really have to worry because everything should be kind of fit into that. So when something's kind of not perfect, you get it. You're like, yeah, I know. And I've been kind of reflecting on that with the dream, with this idea of this stuff changing and changing and changing, these weird new situations coming in and out, in and out, and then this idea of kind of 70% and being at the dentist and being in the situation that I was kind of stuck in and I couldn't really, you kind of like want to get out of there, but you can't, so it's this weird feeling of, I said torture chamber, because you feel like you're trapped there and they're kind of just doing whatever they want and it might hurt you and that's just too bad. And it kind of just, you know, started all clicking into place in a way in terms of, you know, what is, what is the point? What are we really, what are we doing here? What is the point of all this? So I see for myself that, you know, I'm really trying to be happy, right? I want to eat good food. I want to get an apartment. I want to, you know, work out. I want to do things that make me feel good and happy. But then those things kind of end, and then you're just kind of back to where you just were in a way. And then there's also a lot of things that I don't want to face, and I don't have to deal with this. But also, anyway, those things, they'll also somehow just come and go. And sometimes when you don't want to face something, that's when it's going to really hit you across the face. Like, you know, the dentist, he said, well, you know, you don't have to do the fillings now. You could do it next month. And I was like, if you don't do it now, I'm not coming back. So just do it now, you know. And I know if I didn't get it done, then give me a year and suddenly I've got a real problem. Right so in this understanding that nothing's really going to be perfect, <laughs> that there's really nothing lasting, there's nothing really to have that you can really hold on to and keep as like this thing, whether that's a relationship, whether that's your wealth, whether that's a position, a title, whether that's a, an ability, a skill, whether that's your body, whether that's even just your life. Everything is just shifting and will continue shifting completely out of our control, actually. You can kind of do a bit, you know, I do some yoga and I, you know, eat well, I only buy organic things, wild, or whole foods, and that. but that doesn't change much in a way, I still feel weird sometimes, and I still have odd pains in my head and weird things going on in my joints, and 
every now and then my, I throw my back out for like a day or two at my age still it's weird but it happens and stuff with my teeth and who knows you know and then even if I'm okay then there's other people in my life that weird things are going to happen with them and even if me and all my friends are cool then there's the country and the government and, you know there's always going to be something that's kind of falling apart that's not the way you think it should be and it'll always be changing um, so I was at a fire the other day and as the wind was blowing the smoke would be kind of blowing in different people's faces as the winds were changing in this fire and it really just for whatever reason in that moment really made me feel very it, it felt like a very poignant um, kind of example of life in terms of sometimes the smoke blows in your face and you're kind of squinting and tearing up and you're just kind of bearing it and then you kind of try to turn your head a little bit but ultimately you can't necessarily escape it but then the winds change, and then the smoke's blowing. Maybe it's blowing up, and then everybody in the circle's happy, but then the wind changes, and it blows in this guy's face, and they're, oh, and they're trying to get away from it. And that's kind of life. It's like we're just sitting around a fire that's smoking with the wind blowing in different directions. And sometimes the fire's keeping you warm, and sometimes the fire's burning your eyes. And that's kind of it. I mean, when you really break it down to the simplest way possible, that's just kind of what's happening again and again. There is real, you know, no real protection from life, from the world. You know, there's really no way to have everything you want to master it, to stay on top of it. And a lot of people try. They try to, you know, good job, good relationship, good salary, go on good vacation, do this, you know, do all the things right. But a lot of those people are the ones that come to me and say, look, I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. I'm pushing, 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 pushing to make everything good, everything perfect, everything, all the things fit together. And they just get sick, right? Then their body gives out because they're trying so hard to make life fit together in this perfect way that then they're the thing that breaks because everything, what is it? What is that song? Everything has a crack, what is that? Everything's broken. You guys know that song? It's, uh, I think it's the guy that sings Hallelujah, Rufus Wainwright. It's like a song. It's like everything has a crack in it, or something like this. It's famous. I don't know. Anyway, this idea that that it's always going to be seventy percent, that there will always be seventy percent okayness and thirty percent not okayness, and if we kind of knew that that was like the general gist of things. I think, A, we wouldn't get disappointed so much. I think, B, we'd be able to kind of just relax a lot more. Maybe we could even shoot for like 65%. We'd have to like really chill out. Yeah. And also, when something comes, it's not such a shock. and It's not such like a, oh my god, I thought everything was going good, and now there's this. We wouldn't get that a lot, because the dream is crazy. The dream is weird. Weird stuff just comes in, and you have no idea. It's out of nowhere. You know, next thing I know, pulling someone's grandma in a wheelbarrow. I'm like, what? You know, not something you don't wake up and expect that to happen, but it does. Right? I'll very soon be on a plane on a beach in Panama, and I'll be looking around like, what am I doing in Panama? <laughs> you know, then I'll be sitting on an elephant riding through a tank tiger sanctuary in India. Looking around me like, the dream is ridiculous. Is it the Jungle Book? What is this? Why am I here? You know, and it just kind of keeps going. And it also affords a kind of detachment from things, which I really find beautiful, I think. That as much as it's important to really be present and mindful and really be in life, 
Also, there's a sense of detachment that I feel that's starting to build up. The more that I'm just trying to be present with what's going on with each new situation that comes, the more that I'm just getting into this idea and this, it's like a felt sense of these rhythms of new things coming and going, new experiences, situations. We'll be here, then you'll be in your car, then you'll go home, then you'll be in your dream world, then you'll be waking up, then it'll be this. That there's just kind of this constant change of, of experiential, like your, your experiential sphere keeps just shifting and shifting and shifting. That the more that I've been just trying to really basically just be aware, um, the more that I've started kind of just letting go and I've just started kind of looking around at all of it and just being like, wow, this is really interesting and crazy and weird and the highs aren't so high and the lows aren't so low. It's just kind of stuff that's happening and shifting and it almost starts to put me more in a place of equanimity. And I think a lot of people, they really want those highs, right? I went to the Patriots party, parade, streets of Boston, and you could see people really, yeah, we want, you know, and coming by on the float, and they're like, one, two, three, four, five, ah, you know, really into it, everyone really wanting this, this high, to really basking that high, and, and it was fun, but I also remember just looking around and just saying, wow, this is crazy going on, all these people, it almost makes more sense to me to be almost like an observer, just to observe what's happening in myself, observe my thoughts, my feelings, my body, observe my family, you guys, the country, things around me, and of course I still act and I do things, it's not like you suddenly become passive or despondent, but you don't get ruffled so easily, you kind of just see it all as just kind of, wow, the dream is really interesting. What is in store for me today? And, you know, I was a Buddhist monk for a while, and the Buddha, I really, when I kind of get the general gist of, of his message, or so to say the thrust of where he was going with things, it was also really aiming for this place of, I guess it's called non-attachment. It's a little bit called non-attachment. Um... They also use the words like dispassion for the world. But it's kind of based off of this understanding because he said the, the, the reflection of change, the reflection of this change, this changing nature of everything around us and us, ourselves, he said that's really the biggest, the biggest realization one can make. He said when you really fully embody the changing nature of everything, the, the non-dependency, the way you can't, there's nothing that you can really keep or hold on to. I can't keep you guys here. We can't keep this beautiful thing going forever. You have to go home. You have to eat. You have to use the bathroom. There has to be a class in this room tomorrow, right? You can't really keep it even though you want to. You have to let it go. And the more that you really see that there's nothing in this life, in this world, that's really fully that you can depend on, the more that you can really just be and that and it really creates a new sense of freedom and peace. And it's definitely linked together with our biggest terror. I think a lot of people are just terrified of that. Terrified that they don't have control. Right? Terrified that somehow if I try hard enough, right, I'll be the one that lives forever. I'll be the one that doesn't suffer. I'll be the one that has a perfect family, a perfect job, perfect health. Yeah, somehow, and if, some, and if something goes wrong, somehow, oh, it's just it's my fault. It's like I've done something wrong. My family's fighting. I must be a bad mother. Right? My 
body's tired. I must not be working out enough. There's something wrong with jobs. I must have done, or maybe it's the boss. Maybe it's his fault. Right? There has to be somehow a blame. Somebody, it's either their fault or my fault, but we're always looking for blame because, because things should be perfect. And if they're not perfect, then somehow somebody's at fault. But it's actually not like that at all. If there's no other people in this world except for you, it would still be just 70%. And even if you were gone, this world would also just be 70%. Because even this world, one day, pff, the, sun, the sun reached its half-life in 2001, so the sun's on its way out too. A couple billion years, no more Earth anyway. So ultimately, yeah, there's really nothing to be had in that sense. And when you really see that and really reflect on that, it's again, it's not this, this deep terror. It's not this depressing, horrible space that you fall into. It really becomes something that's more peaceful, that's more... I personally feel really more awake in each situation, and it's kind of weird. Like, whoa, what are these hands that I have? What are these things? This body that I'm in, what is this? What is this room? You really start looking more closely at the things that are around you and the people you're with. And you really kind of take in and you soak in each moment in a completely new way because you're kind of really just present with it. And you know, especially because you know that it's so fleeting, that it's going to kind of come and just meld into the next moment, which will be something else completely different. And I think that's also how we start to learn. That's kind of the learning process of life, starting to see these things. So in terms of this being our fifth class, so next class is the last one, um, I really feel that this is one of the most important takeaways from the meditative practice that we'll be doing for the rest of class today. To really start to experience that, that shift, that things kind of are shifting, shifting and then shifting and as far as meditation goes all you really need to do is just kind of be aware of that because if you're just sitting here and you're just kind of aware of just this weird hum in the background and then people's bodies shifting and then these thoughts and then you know my body feels weird and then I'm thinking of what I'm going to do later and then I'm suddenly back here and then there's that weird buzzing again and then somebody cough and then this and that you're kind of just becoming more and more present and spacious. And the more present and spacious you become, the more peaceful you get. Because if you look at the opposite of peace, that's those people that don't feel like they have any space. Right? That's those people that the littlest things, and they crack, and they scream, and they flip out. You see it in traffic often. I can't take it anymore. Can't do it. Because they don't have any space, so they break. But the more you can just develop that space and just be with the things that are moving, the more each individual thing isn't really such a big deal. And the more you're actually in touch with this element of flow, this element of transitoriness, which is the fabric of all of this stuff that we're in, is transitoriness. And that's why the stuff is called the dream, because it's ephemeral. There's nothing really there. Does that make sense? Any questions about this? Going once, 
so with that, I think we'll begin our meditation practice. Um, I think I've talked enough for the night, so we'll do a, a sitting, a walking, and then a sitting. Maybe the last sitting I'll try to make a little bit longer. So the first sitting will be a little bit shorter. We'll do the walking and then the last sitting can be a little bit longer. Really take some time to dig into the practice a bit and go through whatever that experience is. So get into positions that for you are comfortable. Comfortable. 